You're listening to The Whole Podcast, and this is Becky Alcantar, the author and co-founder of Journey to Wholeness, a program designed to help you feel equipped to face life's challenges. In today's podcast, we're following a series of special talks that we recently shared at a girls' retreat. And today's talk is talking about how to navigate the middle, how to navigate the time between here, where you are today, and the healing that God has for us. And we're doing that through the story of Job. I am so excited to share this talk with you on how to navigate the middle moments. Enjoy this talk now. It's in the story of Job that we find the critical keys four characteristics that Job acquired in his middle that are echoed in the healing stories of the New Testament. And that's what we're going to focus on. Because if you want to navigate your middle well, these are the tools that you're going to need. All right, the first characteristic is this, perspective. You have to have your perspective straight. In Job's story, we learned that in between his loss and restoration, he got lost in doubt, anxiety, and despair. It was in his darkest moment that we learned that his perspective was skewed. His despair came from fear he was harboring from a narrative that framed his world and told him, I knew this would happen. God's not good. I was afraid he couldn't be trusted. Job not only needed healing in his body, finances, and family, he needed a healing of his perspective that was tainting his world, telling him a story fueled by fear and keeping him from knowing who God was. Sometimes where we think we need healing is just what we can see the symptoms of the real root. But his healing is multi-layered. And in Mark 8, we see the story of the blind man of Bethsaida where Jesus took him out of the village and told him not to go back. It's going to be important later. Placed his hands on the blind man's eyes and healed his physical vision. Bam! Like, just take that in. He healed his physical vision. But that was just layer one. Then he asked him, what do you see? And the word used here is orau, which literally means, what does your mind see? What is the condition of your mental and emotional sight? And then he placed his hands on him again, and he healed him. Layer two healing. God's healing is deep, and it's always multi-layered. He not only heals us in our need, he heals what we didn't even know needed healing. And sometimes we're just asking him to heal the thing that we see, the thing that's been bugging us, the thing that other people can see, so we don't want that to be out there anymore. So we're like, God, heal that. But he's like, no, okay, I'll heal that. But I need to heal something more in you. The thing that took you there, the thing that affected you, the thing that changed your perspective and made you believe that I wasn't your God and that I wasn't with you and that you can't trust me or the people around you. I'm going to heal you deeper. His healing is deep. He heals what we didn't even know needed healing. He heals in double portions. What does your mind see? Is the sickness in your body tonight the byproduct of the sickness in your heart? Or is the sickness in your heart a result of the sickness that you've been enduring in your body that has tainted your view and your perspective of God and of the world around you? Sometimes God has already done one layer of our healing, but we can't see it because we are still in need of layer two healing. What is the condition of your perspective? How do you see the world? How do you see yourself? How do you see God? The second thing that we need to get through our middle is posture. In John 5, we read about the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, and he had been disabled 28 years. How long have you been struggling? 
And when Jesus saw him, he asked him, do you want to be healed? He didn't say it like that. I say it with attitude. Okay, I'm going to say it again. He said, do you want to be healed? To which he replied, I have no one to help me. Oh my gosh. I mean, do you think Jesus is like, and to quote pastor, seriously, fool? <laughs> Jesus was offering him healing, but this man couldn't see it. He couldn't answer him when he was asked because he was waiting for help. There's no one to help me. I mean, I've gone to the doctor a hundred times. You know, I've talked to people and that hasn't helped me going to counseling. I, you know, I, nothing has helped me, so I guess I don't get my healing. <laughs> he was so focused on help that he failed to say yes to healing what it was offered. What about you? Are you looking for help or do you want healing? Where have you put your hope? You know, I keep going to the same doctor over and over and over, and he just keeps telling me like I'm a hypochondriac and that this pain that I'm feeling isn't real. Well, stop putting your hope in the doctor. He's just human. But we have access to things, right? We can look and go, wait, what does God say about this? This, okay, I went to this counselor, I went to this person, I went to this person, I went to myself. None of that's worked. Why don't I try God? Instead, and I'm guilty of this too, why don't I try God first? Instead of going through all that pain and difficulty and confusion and heartache and hardship, I need to remember his mind, his spirit, his healing. Because where I put my hope is what I am worshiping. When Job faced loss and devastation, scripture says that he fell to the ground and worshiped God. He directed his posture to God. There is something about engaging our body in the direction we want to take physically, mentally, spiritually. I'm feeling down in the dumps. Let me take a bath and put some pretty clothes on. I'm changing the posture of my body. I'm changing the direction that I'm going in. I'm laying flat on the ground. I feel really uh, depressed and I'm watching Netflix all day and eating food like this. That's probably not going to help me. I need to change my posture. I need to get up. I need to get my heart moving. I need to do a couple of squats or push-ups or take a walk and get outside and get some fresh air. I need to change my posture because what I was doing was not working. The lame man was there for 28 years. It was not working. No one's helping me. Well, no one's going to help you <laughs> because you're laying there. Change your posture. Do you think people just walk past them every day? Do you think some days he didn't even do this? Do you want help or do you want healing? In the middle of his weight, Job changed direction. He redirected his posture to himself and to his friends. And there is where his struggles began for 34 chapters. What chapter are you in? Our internal posture, the direction that we're facing, pointing and looking to indicates what we are open to and is crucial to our external progress. I need to change my posture and look to him. I need to worship God so that I don't look to anything else as my hope and my healing because nothing else is gonna provide healing because healing is his. And if I'm looking to anything else, it can help me and help is great. Help can get us going in the direction that we need to go, but it's not going to heal us. Who are you looking to for your healing? Now don't mistake me. I'm not saying that you should not engage in the practical tools we have available to us. 
to help us along the way to our healing. He created us with the innate ability to heal. And when we understand our design and our inner workings, then we can make the adjustments necessary to be our optimal selves. He invites us in to that process, right? When we understand it, we can move in that direction, posture. But what I am saying is when we don't have our perspective and posture on his mind, his spirit, and his healing, we will struggle and suffer and doubt and debate needlessly. You don't have to suffer in the middle. I'm not saying the middle isn't hard. I'm not saying it doesn't take effort. But you don't need to suffer in your middle. Like the lame man, we may be so accustomed to being in a position of looking and waiting and depending on help in our middle that we've given up or forgotten or stopped believing in the possibility of healing. We may be so relieved by the help that we did get that eased the pain that made this all bearable, that told us that we were always going to live this way in this condition, that we stopped looking for and holding out for healing. Or we stopped believing it was even possible. And Job, in the middle of his story, in the place that he had gotten lost in doubt, in his internal and external debates, he began looking to the wrong people and the wrong places and gave in to his situation and circumstances. When our posture is positioned in the wrong direction, allowing another script to write our narrative, or depending on the wrong thing, we risk being infected with disappointment. And disappointment is dangerous. Disappointment will taint our perspective. Disappointment will dull our perception. Disappointment will knock down our posture. Don't let past disappointment contaminate your present situation. It doesn't matter if you had a hard time before and you struggled through it. That's not how it needs to be today. You are different. You have grown. You have matured. You are new today compared to yesterday. Remember when he created? He kept creating. Your cells are renewing every day. It's not the same. Don't let the enemy tell you that it's the same. You're different. You're stronger. You're resilient. You're made new. Do you want to be healed? In your situation, this may even seem like a callous question. And I, I recognize that. I recognize that some of you are in the middle of things that most of us couldn't even understand how you can bear or endure. It may seem like he's dangling something in front of you that you haven't figured out yet, or you feel like you haven't earned yet. Of course I want to be healed. Every day is a struggle. Until so you read this through his mind, his spirit, his healing, not with the attitude that I had. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? It's guaranteed. If you want it, I want to give it to you. That's the question that he's asking. The third characteristic is pronoun. Hmm. What pronoun are you using in your middle? In Job, we see him focusing on what he's done and not done and makes this blanket plea. If only I had someone to defend me. Who? Him. In our middles, we're too focused on the wrong pronoun. We focus on ourselves and what we can do and what we didn't do or we, we contributed to it. And that's not where we need to focus. It doesn't matter. In Journey to Wholeness, we say we don't look to see who to blame in your timeline. We're just taking an inventory. This is what you got. And too often, instead of going, here's what I got, we go, ooh, how did I contribute to this? How am I responsible for this? And so I'm not going to ask God for it because, you know, I contributed to this. I caused this to happen. So I'm going to work it out myself. I'm going to struggle through it. And we're using the wrong pronoun. Because he's the who that has the how. He's the who that is the how. And Job asked, am I to blame? 
He says, I'm innocent. I don't think I'm to blame. I don't think I've done anything wrong. And we see this echoed in John 9, where we see another story of a blind man, because God knows we struggle with seeing. And this time in Siloam, who is also healed. But rather than focus on the healing, the people ask the same question that we see in Job. Who's to blame? It's the wrong question. It's the wrong pronouns. If we're using the wrong pronouns, we're using the wrong template, and we're looking to the wrong person for healing. Healing is his. Only the creator can recreate. Only the creator can create new. It does not depend on us. And too often we're trying to make new realities and new situations and, and make things from the scraps that we have when he's going, I'm the creator. Look to me. He's the who that has the how. The last characteristic is presence. In Job, it wasn't until Job let go of his own reasoning, until he stopped spending time with his friends who had their own reasonings for why, Job, you're suffering this, and you must have done this, and I think it's this, and I'm so wise, Job, I know a lot of things, um, so try this, try this, try that. And he kept looking at all of those things until finally he said, forget y'all. <laughs> this has been hard. I'm turning to God. And it was only until he did that that he was able to see the awe and wonder of a God who loves us immeasurably and is still in control even when everything looks like chaos. And I don't think Job never had any problems or hardships or losses or pains or sufferings again. And we can get to chapter 42 of Job and go, look at God blessed them, restored everything, the end. I don't think that's how it works. Because <laughs> he still lived a long time after that. He had more kids, but he had learned these characteristics in his middle. He had learned that he needed to have his perspective and look at God and know who God was, that he had to be in his presence, that he had to use the right pronoun, and that he needed to have his perspective. He learned that the posture of worship was the only direction that would not only allow him to survive, but to thrive. He came to know that the only place that he would find relief was in him, in his mind. Because if I go to my friends and I go to myself, I'm just going in circles. So I need to stop doing that. And only in his presence, in his spirit, would he find healing and wholeness. This is what the woman with the issue of blood believed as well. In Mark 5, scripture says that she has suffered for 12 years. And I'm quoting this. I'm not even making this up. It says she had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Where was she putting her hope? Why is it we're willing to give our thoughts, our beliefs, our trust, our resources, everything we have to other places before giving our thoughts, our beliefs, our trust, our resources to God, the one who heals? This is where we find the woman with the issue of blood. She believed that she could, if she could just touch him. Now touch represents his presence that she could be healed. If I can just get in his presence, I believe I can be healed. And she was. In fact, Jesus said to her, your faith has healed you. If we're looking for healing, he's just saying, have faith in me. Look in me. Presence, posture, pronoun, perspective. Our closeness to God would dictate the clarity we have in life. And oftentimes we suffer through the middle because we don't have a clear perspective. We don't have a clear pronoun that we're using. We don't have clear presence. We're looking everywhere else, looking 
frantically for an answer that is not in anything else. In the middle, who we talk to and when we talk to them and what we talk about is going to propel us forward or hold us back. Jesus, remember, took that blind man out of Bethesda uh, and told him not to go back. I'm like, why? Because Bethesda was known for being a place of disbelief and unbelief. And just like Job, that blind man had to get out of the presence of doubt and debate, of being told that this was his disability and illness and that it would always be this way into his presence and what he says about it. Now, neuro, science of Becky, you knew it was coming, right? Science of Becky. So neuroplasticity of the brain says that proximity determines how quickly we heal. Whatever we call our neurons to respond to, they will. Whatever a man thinks, so is he. And when we place our mind, our body, and spirit in proximity to his mind, his spirit, and his healing, it literally calls on our neurons to change and responds to in realization of what we are in proximity to. What is God? He's a healer. He's whole. If I can lift and put my perspective on him, if I can get in his presence, if I can get in his proximity, then my neurons naturally respond to the creator who created them. The creator who says life and breathes over you and it calls it to life. Whatever is lacking in you, whatever is ill in you, whatever is broken in you, whatever is off track in you, just by being in his proximity will be brought to life just because you brought it before him. Because your body, your mind, your emotions know its creator. And so it's called to react. It's like, there's my creator. Oh, let's live again because he gave me life. Just his breath, just his proximity brings it back to life. Science tells us that, but scripture tells us the same thing in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And this is where we're ending. It says, I urge you to present your bodies, presence, as a living sacrifice, posture, submitting to what he says, his mind, his spirit, his healing, holy, whole and healed and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship, posture. Do not be conformed to this world. Perspective. Do not be conformed to the hurt and the doubt and the disappointment that this world has inflicted on you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, healing, so that you may discern the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Pronoun. Whose will? His will. You're getting it. The miracle of healing is this. Redemption, restoration, resurrection, and revival. Healing does not return us to what we were before. That's amazing. Remember, he makes the entire middle matter. Healing incorporates all of it. It folds into and shapes a new creation more beautiful than before. And when we try to apply the old construct of Eden, even though it was beautiful, this world is misaligned. What we need to stop doing is stop looking back and start looking forward till it is finished. Stop looking at the past as if like, oh, that dear past, and we're missing the motion and the movement toward the finish that he has for us because we're fighting him, right? Is your middle difficult? 
Are you suffering? Maybe you're moving against the current because he's going that way to it is finished. And you're still looking that way to God. I wanted to how it was before. And he's like, that's, I have something better than what was before. I mean, that was pretty good. I made it. It was pretty amazing. But I have something even better that incorporates all of it. It takes all of you because I love all of you, every part of it, because I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of how you've taken these difficult circumstances and you've become resilient and stronger and how you've helped other people along the way and how you you have a heart and empathy and compassion for other people and you're bringing them with you. I love that about you. You're my favorite. When we take on his mind, his spirit, his healing, we receive the lens that allows us to rejoice in the new and improved. What we need to do is press through the middle to keep walking through it despite it not being finished in this moment, but walking and speaking and living as if it is because it is finished. I don't know if you get full heaven on earth, but my experience is that you at least get glimpses of it if you keep moving forward. I don't know that the disciples got to witness things they didn't even know were possible because they kept following after him. They kept aligning themselves imperfectly to his mind, his spirit, his healing. What is your perspective? What is your posture directed to? What pronouns are you using? Whose presence are you in? How's your middle going? His question still stands. Do you want to be healed? Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and rate it and help us get this type of content out to someone who needs it. You can visit our website at j2wholeness.org. That's the letter J, the number two, wholeness.org at any time for current Journey to Wholeness group offerings, intensives, events, as well as other resources.